0: the reality is like we've got to be lean we've got to be like focused on a couple of clear things and those constraints actually becomes this wonderful bonding moment not to mention like you look back after 12 months ago what the hell like how do we how do we do how do we do all of that welcome to startup jobs a podcast where we explore all the different jobs in a tech startup what exactly are they? And what have we learned from scaling teams from the inside? Well, most startup content focuses on the founder
1: or investor or specific area like marketing. This show is about accelerating your personal and career growth journey in whatever startup job is best for you. Yeah, exactly, Kyle. Like this show is about you.
0: Yep. We want you to be the very best that you can be.
1: G'day, Mike. Woo. I'm going to throw in a, a listener clip to start us off here. Start with some good news. Let's do it.
0: Hey you both, really loving the podcast. I've been telling everyone I know to listen to it. I stumbled upon it really recently, maybe like a month ago. I've just left my role as a principal at Astral Ventures to become the chief of staff at an early stage startup called Nexel. Been in startups before, but I really just wanted to get back into the mindset of being an operator and stumble upon episode nine, which was nailing your startup job in the first three to six months. And it was just the perfect on-ramp into being an early stage operator again, particularly in a senior role. Just wanted to say, love your work. Really looking forward to more great episodes. Thanks. How good? Whew. Love the love.
1: Yeah, and uh, and Albert, love to, love to hear that you're um, no stranger to startups, but some of the episodes contributing to your excitement to get back into the world of The Hurt Locker on this side of the fence. So thanks for listening. And um, yeah, look, Any folks that that get something out of the pod, please send through that
0: um, message to us. Love to hear it. Yeah, and I would say like, feel free if there's a particular question that you have on your mind or an area that you would like us to explore. Just send a voice note through to Kai, and we can either play the clip and make that the theme of our conversation, or we can at least cover it. So uh, yeah, feel free to reach out directly. Magic. Uh,
1: and on that note, um, what we are chatting about today is uh, something topical. Obviously, we try and keep our episodes pretty evergreen, uh, and this will be too, but it's uh, sort of stemmed from certainly the last sort of six to nine months in the tech world, um, what we've seen in terms of the move to efficiency in, in workforce, whether it be through layoffs or, um, you know, even big companies trying to squeeze more out of their people, you um, I know we've we've got a few things to chat about here. Recent AFR article talking about how Atlassian and Canva here down under uh, how they're approaching things, um, and yeah, actually here at Zipline as well, we've made some changes recently which Mike can go into uh, perhaps to start off. Um, but uh, today's going to be talking about efficiency and um, in the context of kind of this wartime and peacetime analogy, which we can explore so a few jumping off points here today Mike but I think Mm. it's a good episode and one of those realities for folks jumping into this world it's it's not always not always peacetime
0: no and when you said like companies needing to squeeze the most out of people it's uh I suppose not not an evil machine you know pressing the juice um (laughs) if you will I think what we're you know what's happening and what we're certainly experiencing ourselves is how you just have to be thoughtful about every dollar that you spend to make sure that it's driving customer outcomes. And you can still, you can still make some bets beforehand, which is how I'm going to spend a dollar or two that I don't, um, that that I'm not making now in revenue, but I need to make sure that I have a high degree of confidence um, that we're going to make that like pretty soon. And so, yeah, I mean, I can sort of give a little bit of context to, The broader, um, the sort of broader market that's happening in startups where like people are moving to this model, which I'm calling like radical efficiency, you know, we just Mm. all need to be a lot more efficient, you know, sort of free money is not sloshing around in the system as easily as it was in 2020, 2021, even for a good chunk of uh, 2022. And, um, you know, for the first time in 2023, like SaaS and startups um, has gotten a lot harder. Like it's gotten a lot harder to raise money. It's gotten a lot harder to win customers. Uh, and it's got a lot harder to ensure that you're um, really efficient in terms of how you're structuring teams and 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 so forth. So, yeah, like I think there's, there's a range of areas um, to explore. You know, I think for us uh, internally at Zipline, what it meant was that, you know, when there's a bit of extra slack in the system, you can... Kind of take on a few more projects and make a few more bets um so mm. you know i think we've kind of had four or five major things going on and what we've sort of realized was okay if we kind of keep going like this and if we don't land all our tricks we're going to be in a world of hurt in a year or two's time uh sort of this classic um have you heard the, the pilot one in 60 rule i haven't tell us about it yeah uh, i something that i saw online i thought was, it was a pretty good um a pretty good summary which is i think they call it the um the one in 60 rule which pilots have which is like if you've got one degree of error that one degree error will have your plane to miss its landing target um by over a kilometer for every 60 k's that you're flying so if you're flying or you could turn this into miles if you if you've got you know 120 miles to go um, and you're off just by one degree one degree is not a lot then you're going to like miss the airport by like over two miles. Right. And so sure. basically like a small miss now means a large miss later. And so it sort of highlights the need to make sure that you're course correcting uh, and making the adjustments to make sure that in a year or two, you know, wildly off base. And so, yeah, for us, what we've sort of realized was that, okay, like we're going to have to um, consolidate our focus, which meant sort of pausing some of the US experiments that we were doing. And, you know, how do we, um, how, how do we, how do we, how do we shuffle? the team around you know just a couple of like clear sort of two focuses and if we nail these two things which you know i'm extremely confident we will then we're going to be in a great position um you know in in a year's time and, and thereafter and so i think just sort of being ruthlessly focused and sort of radically efficient around like a handful of things that's sort of like the zipline context um and in terms of like the broader market context yeah like you mentioned um in afr which is you know australia's wall street journal um mm. actually it was the front cover of the weekend's um paper which is you know hey, these these you know big startups like canva and atlassian what have you you know it's not all uh it's not all free rock climbing and and fun and games like all these (laughs) even larger organizations um are having to be like really efficient and so we've got an episode on hey these tech layoffs you know is, is now still a good time to jump into startups so you know we won't repeat the content like in that episode but i think yeah yeah in this in this chat we can kind of go hey why is this efficiency um thing important and you know, what does sort of wartime mode look like? You know, we're sort of flicking a not full wartime mode switch. Like we're not in like, oh my God, if we don't figure this stuff out in the next three months, we're going to die. Um, But we are flicking a switch to say, hey, we're not in kind of doing a bunch of nice to have things. Um, You know, I call it sort of pillow fluffing. Like we're going to have to be really clear that every single person in the organization and every dollar that we spend, we're going to have to be able to draw a hard line, like a, a straight hard line to say this person of this spend is helping us keep our customers Mm. this person is helping us win new customers or this person is doing critical back office things that are enabling people to people to keep customers uh, happy and you know for us to be able to win customers and you know anything that's kind of a little bit in the nice to have bucket it's not to say that it's not important um and it's not to say that uh it's it's not valued but we're going to have to pause some of that uh, or just figure out what's the kind of minimum level like we also have a different episode where we said hey like even if we were to get efficient we're never going to like throw away the free biscuits from the tea room because that's you know one great way of like um destroying morale so we're setting some you know we're setting some uh guardrails on this to say hey we're not asking anyone Mm -hmm. to go backwards in pay you know hey we're not removing like benefits like we're not going to like be throwing the 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 free biscuits um you know or coffee out of the the tea room here um but we are going to have to be pretty clear like hey that really well hosted all hands where you could see that there was like four to six hours of prep put into that and it was like a really really great internal like well hosted meeting that felt like watching a tv show for an hour and a half (laughs) it's going to have to be a little bit scrappier now right like and there's going to be a range of like trade-offs um to make sure that we're really focused on you know keeping customers and winning winning customers and 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 delivering um you know that value there around this sort of concept of radical efficiency so yeah a a few things to unpack here great
1: yeah like it's almost just like, hey, let's let's frame it up as you know what it's actually like working for a startup in, like, frankly, an in an wartime economic, mode. Yeah, an economic downturn, right? Actually, that's um, good. You know, to 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 think about it in in wartime, in in this kind of downturn. Um, you know, that article you mentioned was was about getting managers to start coding again. It yeah. was, um, you know, it was about increasing the the performance management and and tweaking the the sort of baselines on what good looks like. Um, and yes. That was one of the big takeaways I took away from that article, which we'll have in the show notes, was, hey, you know, once upon a time we were seeing everyone bar maybe 5% of the organization as meeting or exceeding expectations. Um, we might tweak that now. We might sort of, you know, set a higher bar for what we'd love to see out of our folks. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to get your take, Mike, on on that article and then maybe we can transition to to our situation and um, maybe land the plane with kind of some some semi wartime realities and and what that looks like so yeah maybe let's start with that article on the broader
0: broader things at play here first mm. it's worth mentioning that i i believe we're broadly going into a tougher economic environment just over the next sort of year or two sort of tbc what happens with interest rates and you know all the rest of it that have these knock-on effects but it's pretty clear that sort of discretionary consumer spend is coming down um higher household costs you know things that we're we're all noticing um like annie came back from a food shop yesterday and went what the hell like you know nappies are now like twice the price they were three years ago um yeah. so like we're all we're all feeling these these pinches in the economy and so you know what what what's happening you know more broadly outside of tech is that yeah there will be greater like efficiencies you know is, is effectively what happens right there's a bunch of sloshing around and lots of like low debt and, and sort of aka free money um so The reason that it hits tech a bit harder is that sort of I suppose tech had more of the cash coming to it. And so therefore people were okay with these companies losing money, sometimes losing a lot of money on the promise that, oh, they're going to do all these amazing things and they're going to grow and they're going to do all these like great stuff, right? And I think in a market where it's not as constrained, then those things are rewarded and people then build companies and create systems and teams around that and then when you know the broader market pulls back it's just hitting tech a little bit harder right so if you worked at a bank they're probably going to be saying hey we need to be efficient as well and you know there's like traditional companies and traditional segments that are also um being as lean as they can be it just it becomes a little bit more um a little bit more magnified in a tech context and it becomes even more magnified if you're like hey we may not be able to get another fundraising round, you know, in the next year, you know, this is what a lot of, you know, startups are, are, are staring down the reality of, and they're like, okay, well, then we have to figure out how to be be profitable. Now, you could actually say there's some there's some good that comes out of that in the system, right? Because then you really have to focus on both delivering customer value, but like being really hyper-focused around that. So yeah, I would just say like across, across the tech board, um, you know all the best companies now have to do more with less like that's just a that's just like straight up a a common theme um and it's it's, it's also harder than ever before um like to win like new customers because you know sas was um like software as a service like which you know tech stars create you know we're often just like the people making organizations were making quick decisions to go, sure, like, let's just get that, you know, 40 grand widget or that tool. And so now, like, even outside of like a zipline world, like it's across like SaaS in general, yep. um, like, all of a sudden the CFO is like, okay, well, if we're going to spend this 10 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand a year, whatever it may be on this software, like now the CFO is like, hey, convince me, <laughs> like this really needs to deliver value. And so then that's then putting pressure on go-to-market teams in, um, in in startups to make sure that, they are not just a nice to have like you really if if you're going to install this hundred thousand dollar bit of software you're going to really need to prove that you're saving me two three five hundred grand um in spend somewhere or you're providing value that absolutely clearly justifies us spending a hundred grand here so i think that's kind of the um you know that broader context and and so the, the way that some organizations need to manage that is either be a little bit leaner um on the people side or and or like re-restructuring and reorganizing around like what's important so that's that's certainly um like our view i think to sort of transition to wartime mode versus peacetime mode there's a sort of very famous um certainly amongst startup founders there's a very very famous uh clip out of the book ben horowitz wrote hard thing about hard things um so yeah i can i can read that out and give a little bit more context as to sort of peacetime mode wartime mode but um Uh, Kai any sort of questions around the overall sort of state of the market and kind of just what's happening um, in sort of tech and and startups here
1: yeah a a couple of quick quick ones a a thought and then a question for you Mike on that sort of broader point Um, I was speaking with a friend the other day who works for a sort of you know couple thousand person um, startup um, now sort of scale up really that um, that is doing um, a lot of this kind of stuff as well and uh, it's interesting they've got uh, even decisions they're making around their sort of software stack um, and other SaaS products that they're using, um, we're doing the same in some ways. But they're like, "Yeah, look, this this great you know call recording software that we're using, you know, across a thousand reps, um, we actually don't think that there's enough value in recording our calls to to keep paying the the amount we're paying for that, so we're just gonna we're just gonna kill it." Um, yeah, you know, stuff stuff like that is, um, is is suffering. It's it's kind of even within our circles, you know, we're looking at the software we can cut um in some ways i'd imagine that's then going to affect those companies who are also sas yeah companies so exactly. it's almost just like there's there's an there's a insular sort of effect there too um but yeah the, the question i got is um why 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 is tech you know in in a, in a great market one of those places where investors flock to right like mm. why is why is that the case and then in in these sort of downturns uh it's a place where they flock away from um mm. It'd be great to just hear, you know, a couple of additional thoughts on that, particularly in the good times, why tech's a the place they flock to.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, let's see how I can avoid going down a 10, 15-minute rabbit hole of explaining to you how all the macro pieces come together. I think there's like two major drivers uh, at a high level. So when if, if you can get access to money, um, let's just sort of like zoom out. Uh, just and, and speak like abstractly for a moment. So, if you can get access to money at, let's say, one percent interest rate, right? Then, as long as you can return, say, five percent, eight percent, like if you're an investor, then, then then you're doing great, right? Like you you, you borrow money for one percent, and then you put it in some things, and it you know goes goes four to eight percent. And then what happens is in that world, you then have some like in a, in a classic portfolio. Um, I'm now talking about people who are the investors in the investors of startups, right? So most right. investors in startups are, are funds like VC funds, venture capital or like growth funds. Um, and they, where do they get their money from? <laughs> they got their money from uh, folks that are called LPs, so the limited partners. So yep. who are these limited partners? Um, they can be superannuation funds, pension funds, um, organizations or like ultra wealthy, um, you know, folks, and it is an investment class option for them, which they are deciding on, do I invest in real estate? Do I invest in bonds? Do I invest in shares? Like do I invest in venture? And so these LPs put money in startups, which may represent 1%, 2%, 5% of their overall mix. Now, what happens when you have lower interest rates, then they can afford to put more money. Uh, in some of the riskier bets um because it's like well hey i'm like getting money for one percent here like and, and venture by the way if they put money in a venture fund like they would probably expect say uh at least five x over seven to ten years right so it's 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 a lot higher than if that just you know buy bonds or something like that you know at four yeah. percent a year or whatever it may be so the first thing just this is like classic butterfly effect you know if a what is the the butterfly effects like you know if a butterfly flaps its wings in south america does it create a hurricane in (laughs) um you know europe like there are these knock-on effects um that as as it compounds like this is what happens right so the lps basically say oh we're going to put less money in vc or we're going to ensure that vc absolutely delivers right and so then the vcs then go well hey i can i can only put money in like startups that I'm very confident are going to hit like certain efficiency metrics, et cetera. So that's sort of like one, one lens as to, um, you know, why the demand for greater efficiency. Makes sense. To the question, why do startups become lucrative to invest in when the markets are good and when the markets Mm. are bad, why less? So the first part of the answer is LPs folks that are investing in venture funds, they become more conservative and they, because now all of a sudden they can't just get money at 1%, you know, or what have you, um, they, they contract to be more conservative. And then the second, um, type of investor is maybe not the institutions, but it's the individuals. So these, these are people that, um, you know, may have anywhere from 10 to multiple billions of dollars of like net worth. Um, and again, it's a, it's a similar sort of situation where they kind of go, do you know what? I'm going to conserve, um, like this is a rocky patch right now in the economy. And so, they, they tend to contract to more traditional like safe bets as opposed mm-hmm. to, okay, now I'm going to have like lots of risky bets um, that could have like, you know, high upside. So um, it's it's typically what you see in any sort of going into a recession. The first thing to go is um, the high speculative bets, right? Which is yep. like, hey, I put this bet here. I could maybe 10x my money. I put $100 on this thing. I could maybe get 1000 um, And look, it's no different in our own in our own personal finances, you know, when money get a bit tighter, you know, the the kind of like nice to have all those speculative uh, things, you know, they they sort of come off the table or, you know, in a, in a company, like the first thing to go is, you know, hey, let's maybe not spend as much on those TV advertising because, you know, I'm going to put this bet to maybe think that I'm going to have more people that come into my stores and and, and spend more, right? So hmm. it's the same type of mindset that, that, that trickles through. And so then what then happens is, yeah, for the startup, okay, well, if I'm less certain about being able to get, you know, funding, uh, all the requirements of getting that funding, you know, I've now got to like uh, hit greater efficiency. uh, The bar's higher, I've got to hit greater efficiency outcomes. um, Then that's the sort of butterfly effect that kind of cascades through the system, if you will. Understood. Yeah. And so look, I think wartime can be triggered out of a scenario like we're in now. But Mm -hmm. we've, in our history, probably like triggered a version of wartime mode two or three times before. you know and they tend to happen more frequently or more with more intensity earlier on because the stakes are much higher it's like mm. god like we've only got a million dollars of customers or maybe you're very early and you've only got like 50 to 100 grams worth of customers and you've got like four people on the salary it's just sort of like the reality is you know hey four people are costing us half a million dollars a year in salary and we've only got a hundred thousand dollars of customer cash like we've got, we've got two you know and, and investors said you know unless we can you know win another 500k worth of customers they're probably not going to back us or and we've only got like six months of runway left like you that becomes a ruthless like focus on <laughs> this is really what matters And that's sort of when when you trigger the wartime mode in terms of actually now not the time to be you know having a three-day retreat you know to to, to tweak our logo um <laughs> you know the, the sort of nice to have things you know really um get get thrown out of the boat and so yeah the the, the great book by ben Horowitz um hard thing about hard things speaks about all the hard things that startups often go through and he talks about his own journey and this chapter which I'll just briefly read out you know some of the highlights um now this is extreme wartime mode like we're at zipline we're not personally in the extreme um wartime but I think it's a good it's a good sort of mindset shift to go okay like is what I'm doing right now directly related to creating customer value and hitting our most important milestones. There's sort of this like ruthless focus around it. Okay, peacetime CEO focuses on the bigger picture and empowers the team to make all the detailed decisions. Wartime CEO cares about every speck of dust that interferes with the primary directive. Peacetime CEO is building scalable, high volume machines. Wartime CEO also has to think about that but now also has to think about building a HR organization that can execute layoffs if required. Peacetime CEO spends a lot of time thinking and defining the culture. Wartime CEO lets the war define the culture. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peacetime CEOs thinking about different contingency plans. Wartime CEO knows that sometimes you just have to roll a hard six, uh, which is true. Like sometimes there is just a bit of a luck that's got to come into the timing of various things. Um, peacetime CEOs knows what to do with a big advantage wartime CEO is on paranoia it sort of goes on and on and on right so like peacetime CEOs thinking about how do we expand the market wartime is aiming to win a certain segment of the market um, in a certain um, uh, amount of time Um, and and I think there's this sort of like focus around what we're doing right now and is what this team doing right now like hyper optimized for just a couple of clear goals now what's really interesting is i find that high performers actually oddly love it when we switch on the high um it's almost like a high performance mode of focus they actually quite love it you know when we when we flip the wartime mode uh and you know we hosted a leadership team offsite last week and Uh, got the team together in person and I took them through like, Hey, here's our reality. Like we're a little bit behind our plan. Um, And we've we've got a bit too much going on. And so we're going to focus around these two things. And it means that, you know, Hey Maddie, like you're going to have to like help us, you know, win some customers. We're not going to be able to have you full-time focused on, um just people and culture things right um and and look we had conversations with people beforehand you know to make sure that that's what they're aligned to but like there's you know there's going to be less like management time and there's going to be more like getting on the tools and doing things and the knowledge that i gave is it's almost like a home builder you know like a home builder there isn't if they're trying to like build their own home and try to get in by christmas time you know they're not going oh that's not my job like i'm just going to project manage everything like they're purposely thinking about how do i get this home built you know by christmas but there's certain times where it's like oh i just got that quote in from you know the carpenters and they're going to have four guys take three weeks for you know whatever like forty thousand dollars like screw it i'm just going to jump on the tools myself like me and a buddy and i can actually get that done in two weeks and we'll save that 40 grand in the budget oh shit but then i've got to be able to zoom out as well like oh the window frames are now delayed by two three weeks okay like and so it's not just like jump on the tools and we're in wartime mode because then you're not going to get the house built in time. Uh. So there is this context of you do need to zoom in, zoom out, but it's basically a whatever it takes um, type of attitude um, for us to be able to hit our goals. And so I said to the leisure team that that's not for everyone. Like some people are like, actually, do you know what? Like what you you're asking me to jump into more customer meetings? You know, I'm an engineer. Like you know, I just want to write code. Or you know what? Like I can't build out my my perfect culture uh, plan in Q3, Q4. Like you're going to need me helping support some customer stuff. Some people are not well suited for it. And they may just go, do you know what? That's not what I signed up for here. Um, and that's fine. You, can, like, you know, that person can go and, you know, get a job at a, a larger organization where the roles may be a little bit more defined. And so I think this sort of concept of everyone clicks into a mode of like whatever it takes. And we're clearer that we're just trying to get one or two things done. And we're still going to be well supported, but maybe I'm not going to have the world's best one-on-one every week with my manager. Maybe my one-on-ones flick to, once a month, but we spend more time as a team solving problems because my manager is more on the tools uh, to help yep. us, you know, get that outcome. And so that that mindset change of like whatever it takes for us to, you know, get to that that big milestone, um, I think is deeply rewarding and exciting for people that go through like these wartime mode experiences. Uh, Simon Sinek said on one of his podcasts recently that oxytocin is released in the brain when you go through difficult times and challenging times. And so if a family, you know, has to go through a a difficult time, you know, nature has that. So we bond closer together. Uh, It doesn't Mm. make it necessarily all enjoyable when you go through some of these elements of wartime mode. Like I'd love to have the extra fluff. Like I'd love to have the extra, you know, fat in the system. Um, But the reality is like, we've got to be lean. We've got to be like focused on a couple of clear things and those constraints actually becomes this wonderful bonding moment uh, as well not to mention like you look back after 12 months ago what the hell like how do we how do we do how do we do all of that so when i look back at some of our previous wartime modes they're some of my fondest memories they're some of the closest bonds that i have um, but it's not for everyone and so yeah like if you're uh, in a startup that's going into wartime mode or is thinking about like a radical efficiency my biggest guidance is to take a mindset of like hey, what can I do to help? And and sort of switch into this whatever it takes as opposed to that's not my role and really, really understand the bigger picture. Like, what are we trying to get done here? And make sure your day-to-day um, like, is clearly linked to that. I think it's uh, it's obviously going to be different
1: for every organisation, different sizes, different industries. Uh, that's kind of, um, that's a given. But I think this is part of our uh, constant quest to paint an accurate picture of realities in, in startups like ours. And um, it's not always pretty. And, and I appreciate the honesty with, with, where we're at as well, Mike, I think it's, um, it's important for people to know the good and the bad. And, um, you know, for those that are really resonating actually with, with the, the, Hurt Locker involved with a semi or full, full wartime mode, um, then there's, there's lots of, lots of learning to be done in the next, you know, next few quarters and heading into next year. So, um, appreciate your thoughts as always, Mike.
0: A final thing I want to finish on is just around mm. like constraints. So often cause what we're really talking about here is constraints, right? Because I'm now gonna have less people in my team. I'm gonna have like less budget, etc. And I think yep. a lot of people can view constraints as a negative thing. Often people kind of go to, oh, like I need more budget or I need more people in my team. But constraints can it can actually be like a wonderful forcing function of creativity. Because you've got to figure out how the hell are we going to do this, right? And so I'm, I'm going to show something visually here, which you're going to need to put in some show notes somehow. But I'm going to uh, show you, share my screen here, Kai. And on the left is a picture of a normal satellite. All right, that's what a normal satellite looks like. Yep. On the right, do you know what that is? And I'll just sort of yep. describe it. It looks like a box with a fold-out solar panels with laser beams.
1: Yeah, flying off not, it.
0: not, not uh,
1: clear sense what it is, but it looks pretty
0: impressive. <laughs> so what you're seeing on the right is what SpaceX built for their um, Starlink internet. So it's their satellites. Mm. Now, that satellite looks wildly different to the one on the left, which is this big like dish and big chunk of a thing. And the reason for it is this picture, which is uh, they have a SpaceX hull, like the hull of the spaceship that's this size. And Elon said, "We need to get sixty satellites into this thing." Now, normally, wow. a sat like you can fit maybe one, maybe tops two satellites. But they're, they're like, "We can't, like, we can't, like, we need to find a way to get sixty satellites in here." And everyone's like, "How the hell are we going to get sixty satellites in this?" Now, that constraint meant that they had to think creatively to go, "How the hell do we get everything that needs to be in a satellite into that size?" Right. And so then yeah. they redesigned it from the ground up. They made it a box. They made it like a fold-out thing. Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a a Mm. wonderful visual example of constraints really force the team to think creatively, to think literally out of the box. And it becomes this intense bonding moment as a team. Like imagine if you were part of that team that like redesigned a satellite from the ground up, right? Like that would have been tough. Like you would have had like, how the hell are we going to fit 60 of these in this one like spaceship hull? Uh, And they're already onto the V2 design, by the way, where they've actually already updated it um, even further. But I think that's how I think about startups going into wartime mode is that constraints can actually be a really powerful forcing function not only are the bonds that get created but the clarity of what it is that we need to get done with the limited team that we have um mm. you know really forces like new uh created thinking and it's uh, you know some of the biggest bursts in moving forward you know happen during these times
1: mm. not only downside
0: <laughs> no there's no downside to this
1: good to chat thank you mike thanks as always Woo. Hey friend, thanks for listening to today's episode of Startup Jobs. This episode was made in collaboration with our friends at Early Work Academy, Australia's only tech sales bootcamp with a job guarantee. Applications are currently open for the next cohort. All the details are in the show notes. And finally, if something resonated with you in today's episode, we're posting episodes like this every week, including CEO memos straight from Michael, the best way to get those episodes on the day is by hitting the follow button on Spotify or Apple podcasts. We'll see you next time.